0: All right, one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Looks like Bruh Fox and Bruh Bear are causing some kind of commotion downstream. Please stay in your boats while we take care of things. Your visit to Splash Mountain will continue in just a bit. <laughs>
2: Journey with us now to the dawn of recorded time, as we explore the amazing story of human communication. The so, bar, bar bands will play now in the good old key of G. Zeke and
0: Zeb, ten friend by bar name Tennessee. <coughs> Give me a little intro there, Gomer. W-, w W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 275 for the week of May 20th, 2012. We'll take a close look this week at another one of Walt Disney World's opening day attractions in a segment that's part DSI, Disney Scene Investigation, and part Wayback Machine, as it's remained almost exactly the same as it appeared on October 1st 1971 so join us as we explore the history stories details characters music and more at the Country Bear Jamboree then be sure and share your comments in the show notes about some questions we have for you I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new one for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned for a few announcements, including updated event information, including our WW Radio Meet in New York City in June and our private dinner at the American Adventurers Club. I'll then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show.
2: Yeah, let's get on with the show we can't hang around here all day now
0: buff be patient takes a little doing to set these things up
1: yeah we ain't going anywhere anyhow Uh, we're kind of hung up here (laughs) okay okay
0: boys take it easy take it easy now we're ready to start sorry folks (laughs) i'll be right with you give me a little intro there gomer In the past 40 years, Walt Disney World has gone through many changes. It's grown far beyond what we saw in 1971, from a single park to four, two hotels to more than 20, and entertainment, dining, and attractions that expand beyond the confines of the theme parks. And during that time, while there were many additions, we also lost some classic favorites. But in the more than four decades since opening day, some of our favorites have actually remained. And while many of those have actually been rehabbed, refurbed, re-updated and expanded in many ways, there's one that remains nearly identical to the way it was on October 1st, 1971. So this week, we're going to go way back and yet stay current as we do a DSI Disney scene investigation of an attraction that features the wildest bunch of foot stomping, knee slapping, rip snorters ever to lumber out of the north woods the country bear jamboree so joining me this week is our own bunch of cuddlesome fluff direct from the hills of north carolina featuring a little bit of americana over at the mainstream
1: gazette he is pretty little ryan p wilson welcome back buddy it's good to be back i didn't bring any flim flam with me but i do have the mouth harp
0: There's the easy yak-yak-flim-flam-chit-chat thing we got going on. So, uh, you know, we talked about this a bunch of times, you and I, offline, as we've been looking through and sort of going through uh, some attractions from Walt Disney World's opening day. And I kept on coming back to this one. And, you know, what I said in the introduction is kind of true. We could almost be doing the same show today that we would have done if we were doing it on October 1st.
1: Absolutely. 1971. Absolutely, there's been very little that's changed with this attraction. You know, it's had some it's had some side shows, it's had some other things happen, but for all intents and purposes, yeah, it's it's stayed true to form in its corner of Frontierland since day one. And the ironic thing, and a lot of people don't necessarily realize
0: this about the attraction, you know, as we start thinking about its history and how it got there was it was never meant for Walt Disney World. And when I say that to people, I say, oh, yeah, well, of course, you know, Walt meant it for Disneyland, but that's actually... Not the case, and when I try to explain this to people, and we'll sort of get to this idea of where it was supposed to go, I sort of go back to that Walt tenant of you don't follow pigs with pigs. Meaning, after the success of the Three Little Pigs, people asked him if he was going to do a sequel, and he says, "No, you don't. You don't follow pigs with pigs. You don't repeat yourself." And so, uh, the idea of necessarily doing another Disneyland was not necessarily something that Walt wanted to do, and he always wanted to do something different. And that's where he came up with this idea of not building a theme park, but building somewhere else uh, that wouldn't be about
1: uh, a similar Disneyland. And that's where Mineral King came to be, right? And this and this kind of stemmed from his involvement with the Winter Olympics in 1960 in Squaw Valley, that he realized you know there's just gorgeous amount of pristine nature, and the idea for a full time, full year, summer winter kind of. Uh, skiing outdoor complex came into play with mineral king
0: yeah and he wanted to build it in a beautiful area by california's sequoia national park so sort of that national park the perfect location for it and this is another one of those things we could probably maybe we should do a show about mineral king because it's one of those concepts that wasn't just a drawing board blue sky thing there was concept art. There was land purchase. I mean, this the, the plane was in flight. This was actually going to Lincoln's take and place. And Fred and a bear named Lemonade. So, clap your hands and stomp your feet to the bear-toe tapping rhythm. Shut your worries out the door and try to keep right with them. Brother Seb is playing fiddle, and he plunked some on the uke. A real
1: bear on the banjo, and his guitar ain't no fluke.
0: And one of the things he wanted to do was, you know, certainly entertainment was going to be at the forefront of the resort, just like he had done on TV and with his movies and certainly at Disneyland. And he wanted this show to have a band that was actually going to be featuring bears. I mean, it certainly fit into the location.
1: Right. And I think I like the idea of a Mineral King show. I really do. But he wanted this bear band restaurant show. And some of these names are going to sound familiar, some of them aren't, but it was going to have bears like Little Lemonade Bear, Big Fred, Old Zeke, Cousin Ted, Brother Zeb, all putting on this, this you know, a bit of Americana show, you know, all this music during dinner, during a dinner theater kind of thing. Right, and, you know, there's a
0: variety of reasons why the Mineral King didn't get built, and then again, I think we should do a show on that um, and sort of talk about how that evolved, but when... Uh, Walt was putting this product together. He put two of his best men on it. He put Mark Davis, sort of the, the, the funny man, and Albertino, um, who both obviously came from a history of working on the films. And again, he had this concept of this bear band restaurant sort of being at the forefront, but they didn't really know what it was going to be. Was it going to be a marching band, a mariachi band, a Dixieland band? and went through all these different machinations of what they were going to look like, or what kind of music they were actually going to be
1: singing to, right? And it goes back to that concept art. There's just tons of Mark Davis drawings about the different bears that were going to inhabit this world in Mineral King.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's sort of interesting to see how those things change. And look, Mark Davis. You know, certainly I'm sure you're familiar with his name and his work. He was the funny man. He was the man who sort of brought all of the comedy and gags into things like the Haunted Mansion. Pirates of the Caribbean certainly his mark is all over the Country Bear Jamboree and you know unfortunately because of environmental concerns uh Mineral King doesn't get built but it eventually comes to Walt Disney World and you know tying this into Walt because you know Walt very much did have his hand and his imprint on this as well too one of the stories that's always told about the Country Bear Jamboree is that it has sort of an affectionate name of being Walt's last laugh. And a lot of times when you hear people that work with Walt, Richard Sherman tells a story, for example, saying if Walt liked something, if he loved something, his response would be, that'll work. Like, you knew, wow, Walt must love this. Um, but there's obviously a story about Mark Davis taking drawings and showing these to Walt and how he reacted not long before he died.
1: Yeah, and it and it really was. It was in that late '60s period, and um, and Walt just fell in love with the stuff that that Mark was doing and Al was doing, um, and just and was ready to go forward with this. And then there was some legal wrangling, um, and really we lucked out, and it came to the Magic Kingdom.
0: Yeah, and you know this is one of the last things that Walt actually had a chance to see as far as concept art is concerned. And when Mark showed it to him. You know, Walt, he belly laughed, and that's why they sort of call it uh, Walt's last laugh. And, you know, they also talked about how when Walt came into Mark Davis's office to see the characters again, because he he loved these characters, he did something, and, and Alice Davis actually told this story as well, too, that when he left, he said goodbye, and that's something that Walt just never did. He never said goodbye. He just sort of walked out or said, see you tomorrow, or whatever it might be, and as legend goes, he walked out, he said goodbye, Mark would sort have of thought that odd, and just a couple of days later, he passed away on December 15th, 1966.
1: Right, and so in, and so in that nature, you, you do have Walt's fingerprints on this attraction, whether he was there to see the finished product or not.
0: Right, and and eventually they come up with a concept of having the this bear band uh, not be in a restaurant, but they would be country bears, and since it didn't work out in Mineral King, it would have fit perfectly time-wise, location-wise into Frontierland in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. So again, a couple other legendary Imagineers come in to work on it. Exitensio, George Bruns, uh, create the music for the Bears to Sing and it it gets this sort of very country flair to it. And when it opens up, Ryan, on opening day as an e-ticket attraction, so letting you know sort of how popular they realized this was going to be early on, uh, there was a couple of interesting things about it, and from a business perspective, one of the even before you walked inside was that Country Bear Jamboree had not won because we know Disneyland, Walt Disney World, built and created thanks to sponsorship money from outside corporations, whether it's Carnation, Coca-Cola, whoever it is. But there was not one but two sponsors here. One was Frito Lay, longtime sponsor of Disneyland. And the second sponsor, and this gets people very excited, was actually Pepsi. Welcome to the one and only original Country Bear Jamboree, presented by Pepsi-Cola and Frito-Lay, featuring a bit of Americana, our musical heritage of the past. But enough of this chit-chat, yak-yak, and flim-flam. Just refrain from hibernating, (laughs) and we'll all enjoy the show, because we've got a
1: lot to give. Right, and and I know we're going to get to it later, but they also sponsored right next door the mile long bar, and they and it was it was Pepsi. You know, everyone hears Pepsi. They like no Coca Cola has always been in Disney World, but for a num- quite a few years early on, both Coke and Pepsi were sold and sponsored in Walt Disney World. Yeah, that makes a lot of people very happy and or very sad that they, <laughs> that they could have the choice between
0: the two, and it's funny even though Wonder Bread replaced. Uh, Pepsi is a sponsor in 1975. If you listen to uh, Henry's dialogue at the beginning, he talks about just refrain from hibernating and we will all enjoy the show because we got a lot to give. That was actually a reference to an old Pepsi slogan, which was, you've got a lot to live. Pepsi's got a lot to give. And so that actually just, it it still remains in there to this day.
1: Right. And it is that that subtle nod and people like you and I, and you know, this goes back to why we didn't date in high school. <laughs> uh, understand that get that and for everyone else it's a throwaway yeah and you know we'll we'll talk about well maybe we should
0: t- mention here th- this is an e-ticket attraction it's super popular again not a lot's going on in Frontierland on opening day and so the lines outside of country bear are very long again speaking to mark davis thunder mesa western river expedition supposed to come it's so popular and not long thereafter, they decide they're going to open it up in Disneyland, actually the very first attraction to debut in Walt Disney World and then get copied elsewhere, first in Disneyland and then Tokyo. So in 72, it opens in a land that they end up calling Bear Country.
1: Right. And, and Walt Disney World, we could hold 350 guests in a theater, but it was never enough. It was The line was leading out into shops and just causing really kind of chaos in Frontierland. When the, when the park first opened in 71, so that when it went to Disneyland, they actually built twin theaters for it so they could have double the capacity. But the show, even though everyone in Florida was clapping along, you know, thumping their paws, it never had the same appeal as it, as it had in Florida that it did in Disneyland.
0: Yeah, so it only lasts until September 2001, and then the Country Bear Playhouse goes dark, and it's replaced, and I say this all the time half-jokingly, by a killer! <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is a killer. He
1: killed the country bears in Disneyland, and he killed Mr. Toad in Disney World. <laughs> what, what does that make? You know, it, if we're cannibals, he's a. I don't know what Pooh would be in that situation. But but similarly, and it's a you know another subtle nod. On the halls of Grizzly Hall in Disney World, there are bear pelts hanging on the wall, which which doesn't necessarily, you know, bode well for the bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's ironic because if you take a look, even
0: before uh, you walk in, if you look at the building, and it, it also ties into the backstory, take a close look at the, out, the exterior of the building because it, it's re- meant to resemble a Northwood-style union hall. And the backstory with this is that Ursus H. Bear, he wakes up from his hibernation early, realizes that these trappers and loggers have sort of abandoned this this Union Hall. He has all of his, you know, musically inclined friends, and they decide to sort of put on a a celebration down home, and we are sort of guests of theirs. And if you look outside, you're right, it's ironic to see bear pelts outside. Um, You also see a date on top of the Union Hall, and it's 1898. And this ties in very importantly to the story of Frontierland, because... I talk about Grizzly Hall as sort of a – it's a crossroads, right? Because the story of Frontierland really begins in Liberty Square where we're moving, we're sort of following America's journey as we expand from east to west. What some people sometimes forget is at the same time we're also expanding from west to east. All those people after the California gold rush are now starting to to move eastward. So if you notice the dates on the buildings as you leave uh, Liberty Square – 1787, they increase until you get to Grizzly Hall at 1898. As you start heading towards Splash and Big Thunder Mountain, they go back down because this is where East meets West and West meets East
1: right here at Grizzly Hall. Right, it's one of those great pieces to, that you. Know, I, I, everyone seems to know that I talk to you nowadays that the numbers go up, but they they don't catch that pivotal of the pivot point actually of of the date where it shifts and it goes backwards, and you're getting this this migration and this gr- population growth from both sides and it and it does. it meets right there at Grizzly Hall and you have the bears coming in and so you get the floor with all the claw prints and it it's just a big amalgamation of a lot of things at that moment.
0: Yeah, and there are great details again, outside and inside <clears throat> excuse me, that really sell you on the story of what this is. And if you know that's the thing about Disney if, if those claw marks weren't there, it wouldn't matter. Nobody would say anything like, hey, there really should be claw marks here if there's bears coming in and out, but this really helps to sell that story, and that's one of those cute little details that you find uh, throughout the, the building. And then you walk in, and you've got this this logger's cabin outside, but then you have this beautiful, this very ornate proscenium theater inside.
1: Absolutely, you have the stage lights up there. There's the portrait of Urias up at the top, to you know, the the father of the hall, effectively. Um, the curtains are very plush. The, you know in it just has this, yeah, really great old feel to it of a stage you would have found anywhere in the country.
0: Yeah, and it, again, as you sort of – I always tell people to look up, look down because you'll you'll get a sense of some of the details that really sort of fill in the gaps from the exterior Union Hall to what it would look like inside, which were those heavy beam ceilings. Uh, but let's get to sort of the show itself. Um, again, you know, it's a show that – and we'll talk about some of the exceptions and some of the changes over the years – but one that really hasn't changed throughout the years. And I think it's due to, A, the characters, and B, the music. So we can talk a little bit about some of the characters. There's 24 audio-animatronic figures in there, including 18 bears. And obviously, the, the main character, the not necessarily everybody's favorite, because we all love Big Al, but sort of the host and the <laughs> MC is Henry. And uh, Henry is uh, voiced by Pete Renaday, who... For a lot of people who are familiar, especially with some of the older attractions, was mm-hmm. really prevalent in things like great moments with Mr. Lincoln, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Tw- my favorite was Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, so you can get a sense of Pete Renaday still that same voice today as it was in 1971.
1: Yeah, he really was one of the voices of the park early on, um, and you and he does this great job as the MC of the show. At, you know, as Henry and Henry has this. Uh, you know, he's supposed to look he's in the suit and tie, so he has this like starched shirt front. Um, think the map from Peter Pan, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that flies <laughs> up in in uh, the father's face. but he's he's trying to look presentable. He's trying to keep some decorum when things get a little out of hand. Uh, and, and Pete Renade does a masterful job with it.
0: And all of the individual bears, all have a different personality, all have a different look to them. There's Liver Lips and Wendell and Teddy Barra and Ernest and Terrence. And many of the voices are from people that of names that you might not know, but there was actually sort of a a family of performers and voiceover actors, the Stoneman family, and there was Jimmy Stoneman, Roni Stoneman, Van Stoneman, all who did a number of different voices throughout there for all the different bears as well too.
1: Right, they were Terence and Teddy Bear and Ernest, like we talked about. They they were uh, a big part of what made the Country Bears a huge success. Another one, uh, another famous sort of voiceover,
0: another voice you can hear in Frontierland was of Zeke. Uh, he's one of the sort of the leader of the Five Bear Rugs. He was actually voiced for a long time by Dal McKennon, who does the wildest ride in the wilderness. He also does Benjamin Franklin. Uh, you can actually still hear. If you have some of the old original recordings, and I think even a CD from the early 2000s, you can hear that as well, too. And then eventually Randy Sparks replay, re-recorded his voice for Zeke, but you can catch some of the old Dalmakin and the original voices on some of those old recordings as well, too. Sing it,
2: sing it. When I was young and in my prime, I i never put marry, But I fell in love with the in the gallon, poor
1: and that was one of the most spectacular things about this show is that it was so popular that they immediately turned out a record once Disneyland had its version that and it was effectively it was the same show but an LP a record of the actual show and a bunch of the background songs that were played uh, that you could purchase and it's such a huge hit even today you can find it on iTunes. And you and I both have that original vinyl, don't we? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Well,
0: because it was like the Hall of Presence one, and it had, you know, it was a 12-inch vinyl, and it had a book, and it had beautiful color artwork in there as well, too. So it was more than just the album. You actually got sort of photos and stories along with it as well, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was early on, you know, there was all these great souvenir guides and books about Disney World and the construction and all of these, and – they continued into the even the littlest detail of the, in the littlest souvenir that had all this history and fact and backstory pieces to it.
0: You know, when we talk about attractions, we always talk about tributes along the way. Sometimes it's a subtle tribute to a former attraction an Imagineer to Walt, whatever it may be. The Country Bear Jamboree is is not unique. It it has a tribute in here as well too, and it's actually found in a form of a character and a character I alluded to earlier which is for a lot of people this was my dad loved Big Al and Big Al was very much inspired by Albertino who worked with Mark Davis this was sort of Mark Davis's tribute to Albertino and if you Google and maybe I'll try and put in the show notes images of Albert he I mean Big Al is Albertino he's sort of a big guy sort of slumped over shoulders I mean it look if he was to stand up with a middle guitar it would look just like
1: Big Al it's it's Shocking how similar they are. I mean, he is the the human embodiment of uh Big Al, and Big Al is, yeah, it's a fan. He's a fan favorite. He'd had books dedicated to him, they knew early on that this character was going to just tug at the heartstrings. And now, his voice, Big Al's voice, in the recording of Blood on the
0: Saddle was actually by Western movie star Tex Ritter, who was the dad of John. I'm from Three's Company, Ritter.
1: Yes, and it's uh, it. He gets, he gets a lot of jokes in and he gets a lot of playtime that some of the other characters don't get. Um, and it is, it's, it's you know, an extraordinary star, an extraordinary character, and it's a great combination.
0: A couple other quick, notable characters, because of their voices, are actually not animatronic bears, but they hang on the walls. Obviously, Melvin, Max, Melvin, Buff, and Max, as you go sort of left to right. Um, Max, also voiced by Pete Renaday, and Buff is by Thor Ravenscroft, Again, Disney Legend. We most people, I think, know him from uh, the Haunted Mansion.
1: Absolutely, and then you have Bill Lee, who does Melvin, um, and this trio kind of book in the show. And as, as we get to it, they also book in the you know the post-show area of the Country Bears. And one other character that's not a bear we need to name is Sammy, which is Henry's pet <laughs> raccoon or friend raccoon.
2: Yes, folks, we only have high-class stuff on this show. And now, here's a special treat out of Tampa.
0: A little bit of ever-loving, cuddlesome fluff. Our own Trixie. And every time I, 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 I see uh, Trixie come down, she is unique because I always say to people, that you always say that there's no drinking in the Magic Kingdom, there's no alcohol in Magic Kingdom, but what does Trixie have in her hand?
1: Oh, she had a glass of wine. Tears will be the chaser for her wine. So. and it's amazing that there's that there's liquid in that cup and she doesn't spill it. You know, it's a testament to the calibration of those <laughs> audio animatronics.
0: It's like one of those baby spill-proof, uh, spill-proof glasses. <laughs> so, but
1: you know, this is the
0: thing, Ryan. You know, we we talk about attractions that get updated, the music changes, it it sort of becomes more modern for, uh, as the decades pass. Uh, You know, that's why the theme song for, you know, some of the theme songs for Walt Disney World have changed from what they were from those sort of very hip 1970s. But here the music has remained from day one. And again, I think that's a testament to guys like Exitensio and George Bruns. And they all sort of still get people Clapping and stomping and when I go to country bear jamboree and I do go all the time still mm-hmm. I Watch the guests as much as I watch the show because I like to see how they react and The 80 year old grandmother is having as much fun as her daughter and her daughter's daughter who is eight years old You know clapping and stomping along and for some people you hear them singing along with the music as well
1: And you're absolutely right, you know when you have um, you know the the sunbonnet singing you know, the, uh, all the guys that turned me on, turned me down. I've seen, I can't count how many high school and college girls chuckling. I mean, it's just, the songs are so, they have such a message that we all understand, you know, whether it's laughable or it's, you know, a little bit of a heart tug, but, uh, we, we identify with them and we, and they've lasted, they've, they've stood the test of time. And, and I'm going to come
0: back to that. I'm going to come back to your comment about them standing the test of time um, as we start wrapping up, because I do want to talk about, there were a few changes, experiments, whatever you want to call <laughs> them, throughout the years. Because back in uh, 1986, they did introduce sort of a variation on the show. Pete Renaday was still there, uh, Thor Ravenscroft was there, but the show was different because now the Country Bears had, took a well-deserved vacation, and this was their vacation hoedown, sort of a, a sort of celebrating the great outdoors and the summer. And it was a whole new series of songs as well. Resonant, we
1: like see, get your cares and join us, Bears, in bears the great outdoors. <laughs> Ain't nothing like the great outdoors ease your soul. Ain't nothing like the great outdoors to keep you from growing old.
2: <laughs> if your mind's been hazy, you're feeling lazy
1: and down on all fours. Then join <laughs> us, Bears, and suck up some air in the great
0: outdoors. Woo! <laughs>
1: I was gonna say they, they they went on vacation and they took all of us with them, <laughs> right? Um, and they hit and you know you had things like Willie Nelson's "On the Road Again," um, "Singing in the Rain." It was you know a lot more we'll say pop culture songs, people things that everyone would recognize. Um, but you had you know the Bears wearing camp shirts, hugging an octopus. I mean, it 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 got outrageous.
0: Yeah, and they also did, uh, they did a Christmas special for a few years, uh, actually up until about 2005, when they stopped doing that seasonal rotation.
2: Ladies and gents, the fire Man rough. When the snow begins to fall and your blood begins to freeze, it's time to stop now! Can't slap your air and knee. Show hand me down my banjo I think I'm gonna sing The time for sick medals in the summer or the <laughs> We're making tracks in the snow. Everything is rosy. No more have an They're up our feet. tracks.
0: But it's interesting because I almost looked at this as they went to the vacation hoe down, and then they went back to the original. And that reminds me a lot of another attraction not too far away. In Adventureland, so when the the original Tiki Room wants to get updated, they bring in Iago and Zazu, and there's Hot Hot Hot, and there's Gloria Estefan, and then they go back to the original, and I think that's sort of what the Country Bears did, they tried to sort of modernize it, and I think maybe they realized that the appeal for this attraction was in its classic simplicity, and maybe these songs that, that
1: potentially could be timeless... Absolutely, and and the vacation hoedown lasted a much shorter period than the Christmas, ho- you know, Christmas hoedown, which m- was on its seasonal status for, like you said, until two thousand and five. Um, but there is that timeless nature to to these things, like the Tiki Room, um, you know, like the speeches you hear in the Hall of Presidents, that they they do tend to stick with you, and sometimes simpler is better. Yeah, I
0: mean, look, and and this show, we said it was an e-ticket track. I mean, when we say this was very popular. It was hugely popular. I mean, it even spawned a spinoff, like the Ropers from Three's Company. They had a character breakfast. Remember the, the Melvin the Moose breakfast show mm-hmm. over at Pioneer Hall at Fort Wilderness? Yeah. They had, um, and then it was eventually, I think it was Chippendales, Morning Country, de Bear, Jamboree, featuring Melvin the Moose, whatever. But so it, it really uh, it expanded beyond the the confines of just Frontierland.
1: Right, and and... If you look at the you know design of Fort Wilderness, especially the Pioneer Hall area, the settlement area, um, it does play so well into that same feel of the of the country bears and in Frontierland that it was a natural extension. Uh, but they they were they you know they spawned you know the Disneyland attraction. They had the the lunches there. You could hear the hear you know Melvin and and the three wall hangers hangers on in the Mile High Bar having while you were having lunch. Uh, there was so much crossover here because everyone knew the bears they loved the bears you know big owl had his quote-unquote cabin that he had turned into a uh merchandise kiosk across the, the fairway uh it was just it was you know like david crockett in his hat it was a cultural experience
0: yeah i mean and it, you know and even beyond expanding to, to big Owl's cabin the breakfast show um it expanded to Disneyland, it expanded to Tokyo Disneyland. The Bears were in, I don't know if you remember those old sing-along song things. It was a camp out at Walt Disney World and the Country mm-hmm. Bears were there. They were walk-around characters for a long time. I don't even know if we should mention the Country Bears movie from 2002 or not. But it spawned, it was one of the first attractions to spawn a film after it. And which kind of was pretty successful with that whole Pirates franchise.
1: Right, I actually had somebody today, uh, I was mentioning I was talking about this tonight and uh, they're not a big Disney person, but they were like – they're like, oh, I saw that movie. And I'm like, please don't hold the attraction up to that movie. Uh, they, they don't, it's not a comparison. <laughs>
0: it's like Godfather 3. It just doesn't exist. You pre- yeah, you, <laughs> don't, you, don't, you, <laughs> you ignore. don't talk Ge- about
1: it. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 never <laughs> happened. Uh, but it was. it was. It was so hugely popular that they believed that they could build a movie franchise because that movie left room for sequels. Uh, it did. It expanded it to other parks, other areas. Uh, the walk-around characters can still be seen um, during the uh, not-so-scary Halloween parade. Uh, so they still have that presence. You know, it's not every day like it used to be, but th- that theater still gets pretty filled every time I go. And so that was my question for you. You know, is the Country Bear Jamboree, is it still popular? Is it
0: still, is it still a must-do? And you could be honest, like, is it still a must-do or is it, hey, you know what, if it, it's a one-every-now-and-then kind of attraction?
1: Um, my wife hates me because I go see it every time I, I'm in Frontierland that's probably not the only
0: reason why she hates you when you go to Walt Disney World I've seen you taking pictures of everything except your wife so
1: <laughs> yeah she's made me get better about taking pictures of people she was like you have 10,000 pictures and one of us and I get in a lot of trouble but it is it's one of those you know and uh, she she did prefer it over under new management of the tiki room but it was a must uh, it was a must do for me it still is um Every time in town, I find it's find you know, a little bit of time that I can sneak in and, and hang out with Henry and the gang.
0: And so the, one of the, another question I have for you, and this is one, a question I want the listeners to weigh in on, is, look, there seems to be this renewed sense of nostalgia at the Disney parks, specifically at Walt Disney World. Again, I mentioned the Tiki Room, the Orange Bird, uh, very much indicative of that. For something like the Country Bear Jamboree, is it still relevant? Is it does it still resonate with people? Does it need to be update quote unquote updated or changed? Or can it stand on its own just the way it is? Is it an attraction that should not be touched either because it's still timeless, because it has Waltz touch to it? It's sort of that same carousel of progress question. You know, what do you do with it? People still go, people still enjoy it. All the animatronics atom, are maintained well. They it, it's still fresh for a lot of people that don't come that often. It's still fun for people of all generations. Do you change it? Do you have to try and update this attraction or does it still stand alone just
1: the way it is for the same, for the
0: past 41 years?
1: You know, I knew this question was coming. I I was thinking about it all day. Um, I think, you know, I I never want to be the one to stand in the way of, of progress. Things are going to change. Things have to change. But I think this is one of those rare examples that, it is still entertaining to everyone who comes and sees it whether you you're seeing it for the 100th time or the first time it appeals it seems to me that it appeals across all age spectrums boy girl man woman grandma grandpa everyone seems to take something from it whether it's laughing at the funny bears singing or a song you remember your kids listening to when you know when you were much younger um, and it does it goes back to that music you know this is a piece of our musical heritage that we we clung to for so long. And while music has changed, I think this does stand up to the test of time. And I don't really think there's a whole lot of room for, for changing, not to say it can't be freshened up, you know, new coat of paint, new, you know, a new fur coat for some of the bears, but I think it, I think it stands up well.
0: Yeah. Because the, and I'll play devil's advocate because when you quote unquote update an attraction with music like this, and you try and make it timely for 2012 I start thinking about attractions like Under New Management. I think about the Timekeeper that has music from that time. I keep thinking of Boys to Men and the Timekeeper, and it just screamed mm-hmm. 90. You could be potentially locking this attraction now in a specific place in time, whereas that original music, it, it, doesn't, it's not, it, it doesn't scream 1970s the same way as the Carousel of Progress music doesn't scream the 1960s. It, it's music that is timeless, does it make this attraction untouchable? I don't know. That's a question for you to answer. And I don't mean you, Ryan Wilson. I mean you, the person <laughs> listening in his car or at work or on the, in a treadmill wherever. Is this attraction timeless? Is it untouchable? Or should it be changed? And if so, how? Because I don't know the answer. If you need to update the Country Bear Jamboree, how would you do it? Because I don't know how you would do it while still keeping the integrity and the charm that this attraction has had for 40 plus years.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I know that there is somebody out there screaming at their <laughs> iPod right now that they want breakdancing bears. Um, <laughs> is breakdancing still relevant? I don't. You see how? <laughs> you see how? You see how far we've already dated ourselves? Um, no, I. But I, I. fully believe that it's uh, that you. You do. You change that music, and if you try to make it to a certain era now, you do. You date that attraction. You set it firmly there. And, in five years, ten years you know, it's, it's a laughing stock. People are laughing at it because it's so out of place. Whereas with what we have right now, the music does tend to, you know, it it gives us that time and place of that crossroads of our history. It fits perfectly into where it is in frontierland. I think it satisfies all the requirements to just be, to be left alone for now. I agree. And I would certainly like to hear people, whether you agree or vehemently disagree,
0: I would love for you to come by the show, leave your comments there, uh, in this week's show notes over at wdwradio.com, click on this week's click on the podcast link and find this week's podcast. Leave your comments there. Ryan and I will definitely go back and forth and, and comment along with you as well. Uh, Want to hear more of what you think about Country Bear Jamboree? Is, is this a must-do? Is this something you do every time? What are your, If you have young kids, what do your kids think? I have a 6 and 8 going on 35-year-old, and they still <laughs> love this. They still dig the Country Bear Jamboree. You know what I dig, Ryan Wilson? I dig the Main Street Gazette because that's where you blog. You are a blogging machine, man. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I just do the best I can. You (laughs) at the mainstgazette.com. And listen, we've got a lot more to do. We've got uh, Magic Kingdom opening day attractions. We've got Epcot's 30th coming up this year. A lot more to do. Uh, I hope you're going to be coming back again, that you'll drop in to see us now and then. I, I was gonna continue on with the lines, but I I would break out in song, and I really don't want to
1: <laughs> embarrass myself. There were several <laughs> times it almost came out, and I was like, "No, I'm not, I'm not singing this time."
0: I sang "Blood on the Saddle" during the five year anniversary show, and and I, <laughs> I, I I vowed not to do that again. So, yeah, man, this was awesome. Um, next time you come down, me and you, forget the wives. Me and you will grab uh, grab some popcorn, grab a turkey leg because they just taste better in Frontierland, and I we'll hit the Country it, Bear
1: Jamboree. Sounds like a plan. There was blood on the
0: saddle. My kids are downstairs screaming because I used to sing this to them when I'd pick them up from school. Hey, guess what, Daddy's gonna sing. And blood
1: all around. I told Aileen when I got. Home, I was singing it when she got home tonight. She was like. She was like, oh no.
2: Change
1: a thing. Don't do it.
2: Don't forget to gather your belongings. And your husband
1: too. <laughs> it's been good to have you. So long, folks.
0: It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll ask you a question about Walt Disney World trivia or history, maybe play a random sound clip or quote a line from a show or an attraction and ask you to identify where in Walt Disney World you may have heard that clip. I'll then randomly select one winner from all the correct entries for a prize package. Now before we get to this week's question, let's go back to last week, ask you the question again, and announce our winner. Last week's question was all about Marvel and the Avengers. I finally saw the film in the theaters and just loved it. Can't wait to go see it again. And I had said that if you had seen the film or even the trailers, and you really should if you haven't as yet, you'll see some familiar faces in there. And in fact, one of the actors playing my favorite Avenger had actually played a superhero once before. Actually, twice before. So the question was, what actor in the current Avengers movie had also played a different Marvel superhero in two other films Now, my favorite Avenger is Captain America and Chris Evans actually played the Human Torch in 2005's Fantastic Four and again again in 2007 Rise of the Silver Surfer and again all of you hundreds of you about 400 of you sent in the correct answer that it was in fact Chris Evans and the prize package you were playing for was a one year subscription to Marvel Superheroes Magazine, thanks to our friends over at Disney Publishing. It has comics, posters, a lot of games and puzzles and cutouts and quizzes. A lot of fun for all ages. I actually have an issue. Really enjoy it. Probably going to subscribe. I'll say it's for my son, but it's really going to be for me first. So, from all the correct answers, I was able to draw one winner, and that is Jordan Thornton from Mississippi. So, Jordan, thank you. Congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll forward it on to Disney and they'll start your subscription for you right away. If you played, didn't win, thank you very much. Hope you had some fun. Hope you enjoyed The Avengers, by the way. And if not, get ready, because here's another chance for you to win right now. Obviously, this week we're talking about The Country Bear Jamboree, one of my favorite shows at that classic attraction of Walt Disney World. It's filled with fun, funny music, each of which tells a story about the singers who perform it, and one song is All the Guys That Turn Me On, Turn Me Down. And that's sung by the Sunbonnet Trio. And so my question for you this week is, what set of triplets makes up that trio? Just give me the names of those three bears that hail from the Sunshine State. Please email your answers to contest at wdwradio.com by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, May 27th. And this week, I'll draw a random winner for a prize package that's going to include, since it's still Star Wars Weekends, a Disney Star Wars figure collector's pack of three figurines, and all six audio guides to Walt Disney World on digital download. Again, you have until Sunday night. Good luck and have fun. that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. I also want to say a quick thanks to everybody who came out to our Meet of the Month during Star Wars Weekends this past weekend at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Had a great time. So many of you came dressed as your favorite Star Wars characters and in costumes. Had fun. Give away some prizes as well. Visit the events page over at wdwradio.com. For more information, including our June meet in New York City, coming up in just a couple of weeks, I'll be speaking over at Blog World right before then, if you want to come by and check out Blog World at the Javits Center, and also more information about our evening at the American Adventurers Club, coming up later on this year. While you're on the site, be sure to check out the blog, discussion forums, photos, new videos, and lots more as well. Also, be sure and come by, comment on this show or anything over at the show notes. And if you want to be heard on the air, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391, that's 407-900-WDW1, or email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Be sure and also join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at wdwradiolive.com for live video broadcast and chat, usually from the parks. We cover this week's Walt Disney World news and then stay and chat for a while after. If you can't make the show live, I'll post it on the blog, the audio in iTunes, and our, on our YouTube channel as well. You can come by and subscribe over at YouTube.com slash WDW Radio. Quick thanks to our partners and sponsors, MouseFan Travel, my official recommended travel provider. You can check them out over at MouseFanTravel.com. At the Swan and Dolphin, you can stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World and have access to some of the amazing restaurants I just ate at Kimonos and Blue Zoo this week. There's also Shula's, the Mandara Spa, the Heavenly Beds. Check them out at swananddolphin.com. And All Star Vacation Homes has everything from two-bedroom condos up to eight-bedroom homes just within a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And also be sure to visit celebrationspress.com where you can order back issues, the current issue, and subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. You can also get the digital version on your iPhone and iPad by visiting www.radio.com slash celebrations, and I'll take you right to the iTunes store. Finally, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook, Pinterest, Google Plus, or your favorite discussion forums. And please come by, rate and review the show over on iTunes as well. All very much appreciated. And finally, and most importantly, remember that good things may come to those who wait, but great things come to those who go out and get it. So start hustling, do what you love every single day, and always, always keep moving forward i hope you guys have a great week this week hope to see you in the box on wednesday night at 7 30 so thanks again for listening
2: see ya hey lou this is kevin from jacksonville just want to say that uh me and my family love your show in fact we should be listening to it right now as we drive down to disney world for uh the memorial day weekend uh, so i want to say hello to carrie nathan and Brittany. And finally, uh, as it is Memorial Day coming up, I uh, just want to remember those that paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country, uh, and everyone should remember that freedom isn't free. So have a great weekend, everybody, and uh can't wait to get to the world. Hi, Lou. It's Jen Tremley from Bristol, Connecticut. Just wanted to say hello. I just listened to this week's show, 272, with What's New and What's Next at Walt Disney World. Um, I pretty much has uh, been keeping tabs on you from Facebook and Twitter with your uh, media event that you went to uh, the past few days. And uh, the Art of Animation Resort just looks amazing. Um, I'm so glad they finally did something with those buildings that were on the other side of Pop Century. Um, I mean, it's just every piece of concept art, every video, every picture I've seen – has just been amazing. I can't wait to get the opportunity to stay there. Um, I will be going down in September and staying at Pop Century um, for a week, so I think I might have to take a walk over, uh, and uh, if we can, um, to Art of Animation. I'm hoping they do have that walkway opened over Hourglass Lake uh, to at least um, let the resorts go back and forth. That would be pretty great. Um, If not, we may have to take a ride over there um just to check it out in person but everything just looks absolutely amazing um and i can't wait to have the opportunity to stay there um also with uh fantasy land expansion i can't wait to see storybook circus with my own eyes um i don't think any of the other uh pieces will be open when i'm there in september since i'm going to be going the first week of september but again just can't wait to see it next year if i don't get to it this year um just an amazing, amazing time, and uh, I think that uh everybody hit it on the head with saying that this is gonna be a summer to remember. I think there's gonna be so much new and so much more excitement um this year with some of this new stuff that people have just been uh waiting to come out um and I just think uh you know it's gonna be an excellent summer again into the fall for for Disney so um, thanks for everything. Thanks for all the pictures and videos and uh, descriptions from the media event. I'm very, very jealous of you meeting Samantha Brown again. She's one of my favorite uh, folks um, on the Travel Channel. Um, and between you and her, you're my top two uh, favorite people when it comes to uh, Walt Disney World. So i uh, very jealous that you got to see Sam again. But um, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed your show, and uh, I will talk to you all soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You've got a friend in me Yeah!